Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to episode two of I'd Rather Be Reading. So in last week's author interview with Lisa Napoli, we talked about the rise of women in journalism. And we are talking about women again this week, but this time the women of the Real Housewives. We've got the man who literally wrote the book on the Real Housewives, Brian Moylan, here to give us all the juice. Now, of course, I had to ask Brian in our interview what his housewives tagline was, as one does, right, when they speak of the real housewives. But then he asked me what my housewives tagline was, and I was totally stumped and stupefied in the moment. So I've had a minute to think about this since we got off air, and guess what? I am still stumped and stupefied. So... Even though I'm a writer, I still can't think of anything in response to that question. So what I did was I took my happy little self over to playbuzz.com, who is not a sponsor. I just went there because I Googled, how do I come up with a housewives tagline? And I did their housewives tagline generator. And here is what they came up with. No amount of Botox can fix a frown. So you might as well smile, said in my best Real Housewives tagline voice. So there you go, Brian. There's my Housewives tagline. If you're even the least bit into pop culture and the Housewives, you are going to eat this interview up with a spoon. It's so good. He's so much fun. And I can't wait for you to take a listen. cannot tell you how excited I am to have the one, the only, Brian Moylan on the program today to unpack his delicious new book, The Housewives, The Real Story of the Real Housewives, which is out now. This book is juicy, frothy, and the absolute perfect summer read. Anyone with even a passing interest, and heck, even if you are somewhat intrigued in The Housewives, has got to get their hands on a copy of this book. I tore through it in one sitting. So Brian's history with The Housewives goes way back. He is a writer, very talented writer, known for his legendary Real Housewives recaps for Vulture. Brian, I think I have more fun reading your words than I do maybe any other writer right now. Oh, thank you. Yes, I mean that. And I told you before we started recording that I just, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to finally meet you, even if it is via Zoom. I am so happy to have you here and welcome to I'd Rather Be Reading. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's not so often that we get to overlap uh, Real Housewives and literary pursuits. So and um. this is like my dream. This is basically yeah. like my my paradise scenario, talking about books in the housewives in the same conversation. So I, I feel like you and I are meant to be friends, Brian, sitting at a restaurant, <laughs> sipping a cocktail, discussing the housewives. So we're going to we're going to pretend that we're at a restaurant sipping a cocktail, but we are going to obviously discuss the housewives so how and when did you get into the housewives um so I started watching the housewives like right at the start and it was almost by accident because at the time um I was living in a basement apartment in Washington DC that my friends called the dungeon because it was like so gross it was 350 dollars a month uh-huh. And we had free cable and by free cable, I mean pirated and um, <laughs> it had Bravo. And like, that was the era of 
Project Runway, which I was obsessed oh, yeah. with. Oh, and, yeah. you know, like flipping out and Kathy Griffin, like all that stuff. So oh, when yeah. I was around the house, Bravo would just be on. And then one day it was on and I saw this gorgeous shirtless man on the screen. And I was like, oh my God, who is that? And I started watching and it was Shane Keogh. Oh Gina gosh, Keogh's son, yes. Gorgeous. Real of Orange County, who is, I mean, I interviewed him for the book and he is still like one of the most gorgeous men I have ever seen in my entire Beautiful. life. Beautiful. And so, yeah, so I just started watching Housewives, you know, and it would be like on, I'd watch a marathon. I probably saw like all the episodes, but not in any order, not like I tried to watch it. And then when New York started, I was like, okay, you know, I was living in DC at the time, but I was hoping to move to New York. And I was like, maybe this is my way in. I don't know. But then I started making like really the conscious decision to like watch Housewives every week and like really be into it. And then I didn't start writing about it until I was at Gawker and Richard Lawson had been doing the recaps and he left. So I want to say it was like 2011, 2012. And then since then I've been recapping them um, forever. And yeah, I'm going up on like 10 years of recapping at Vulture. And the editor who was my editor at Vulture when I started is now the editor of the art section of the New York Times. And oh, wow. I am still writing fucking Real Housewives recaps. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about like his career or my career or what, but. First of all, I love Richard Lawson. I listen to still watching the podcast he does with Joanna yeah. Robinson. I just, I'm a huge fan. Um, that's that is that I mean keep on keeping on is what I say keep at it so um, you, obviously you got you. a book deal out of it right so that's not yeah. it's certainly not all bad so okay so you're a, you're watching the show so what takes you from a, a watcher of the housewives to a super fan what makes the housewives so irresistible to you I think I just really liked you know, especially in those early years, the, like I say, the best housewives are like Tennessee Williams and that it's like, you see these women trying to present this facade, but then, you know, eventually it slips and you see the like darkness and sadness and desperation underneath. And I find that to be like fascinating. Also, I think that a lot of people, you know, think, oh, you must like the fights and you must like the drama and whatever, but the housewives are so funny. And they are. I, just like effortlessly so I think sometimes or they don't even realize they're being funny and so I think it's a combination of like comedy and tragedy that I really like but there but now there's like so many reasons that it's like talking to people like you and like other fans is so much fun my husband watches the shows and we talk sure. about housewives more than anything else um and just like you know having this community of people to do it with and just this it's like a hobby almost, you know, but it's uh, watching The Housewives. And that's why I'm shocked like no one wrote a book before because it's like people will spend $100 to go to Luann's Cabaret Show and she can't even sing. So <laughs> like. Or they'll go to BravoCon to meet them, but there's not been a book before. That is, right. that is shocking. Okay, so yeah. we can't go any further in the conversation until you tell me what your Housewives tagline would be. Oh, absolutely. I have crafted it over many years. And no, you is, have to have a tagline. It is, um, I have everything except morals. That's mine. <laughs> um, what, it's what's... more of a parody than like the truth. But the one I've been using recently is, um, 
I may have written the book on the housewives, but it won't stop me from reading you. Ooh, that that is the one, Brian. That thank is the you, one. Thank you. Now you thank have you. to use that forever because now you've got the book out, which just came out um, as of this recording two days ago. So yeah, that's that's your new tagline. You, it's okay to get a refresh. They do it every, they mostly every season, right? So what <laughs> is your housewives tagline? Oh gosh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that, and I don't even have anything prepared. Um, <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, Brian, you have put me on that. I should have been smarter than this and prepared. I'll just, this is, this is a weak one, but I put the fab and fabulous. Uh, <laughs> I know that's um, good. There is a certain housewife I know who um, usually around tagline writing time calls me for some workshopping of taglines. So I have oh a my little gosh. bit of experience. Um, okay, well, department. speaking, then you can help me, Brian, but speaking of insider info, which you have plenty of, and I'm still ashamed that I don't have a housewives tagline, so maybe I'll try to think of one. Um, you have all the scoop, right? And it's all in the book, but tell us about some of these scoops, like the forever no list. Oh, yeah. So I spoke to a casting director who's so like fans are always like, oh, especially on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, because they've had some famous people. And they're like, oh, they should have Heather Locklear because she worked with Lisa Rinna, or they should have Nicolette Sheridan because she was married to Harry Hamlin and she was married to Denise's ex and, you know, or they should get this actress or that actress. And um, this casting director told me that everybody who you could think of has either been asked and turned it down or they've interviewed to be a housewife and they're like too messy and don't want to be on it. So they have developed a list they call the forever no list. And it's people that like the production companies have said no, Bravo has said no, like don't even bring these people up. Because while the casting directors do like seasons after seasons, like everybody who works on the shows other than the top executives are freelancers. So, you know, they might only come in for a season or two and not know that they've already asked Heather Locklear, you know, or already interviewed her. So they have this forever no list. Um, which I was like fascinated by. And Heather Locklear was the only name on the list that uh, this casting director told me. But um, I'm dying to know who else is on the list. No, oh, I know. I'm like, who else is on the list? Okay, I know this is the ultimate like Sophie's choice for you, but what is your favorite franchise if you were forced to choose? Oh, I think it's New York, definitely. I think that over time it's been the most consistently great also you know i lived in new york for many years um it, 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 so i just feel like a kinship with the women and like i would see them around town and stuff and so i have a little bit of a relationship with them but i will say if anybody is going to take the crown it's going to be potomac which has you think just, so oh my god it's been great year after year and i think it's like the last season where they had that huge fight between Monique Samuels and Candace Dillard. And then the women were talking about like race and being black women on television and how they're perceived and what that says about them. Like, I think it just operates on so many levels where it's like you get this crazy fight, but then you get this really intellectual discussion about like what that fight means in like yeah. a greater context. And so I just think that Potomac knocks it out of the park every year. Okay, so let me ask you this. Why is Potomac so good, but DC did not do so well? I think the problem- They're essentially with the same area, right? 
Right. Well, I think the problem with DC, and I talked about this in the book, is that they went in, it was like when Obama was first in office and they wanted like political people, like politicos, and nobody goes to DC to get famous. They go to DC to get powerful. And yes. you're not going to be powerful if you're on a reality television show because all you're going to do is humiliate yourself. And so I think they were going after the wrong people. Whereas you see Potomac is in the area, but none of these women have anything to do with politics. And so they're not afraid to really bear everything and bear all. Right. Um, also, I think the production company that makes Potomac is truly original, which is the same production company that makes uh, Atlanta, which is also like another one of the great franchises. So I think that they went in really knowing what they were doing um, in a great way. And also, I feel like we might have been able to rehab DC if it weren't for the White House party crashers, which yeah. I think left such a stink on the show. And people yeah. were so upset about it before it even aired that um, I, I don't think there was any redemption for it. That was wild. That was absolutely wild. So, OK, so I know your your favorite franchise, but which franchise would you most like to be a cast member on? Ooh, ah, that's a good question. I would probably say New. I would say I would say New York because I love living in New York. But then I'd have to deal with Ramona Singer. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm gonna pick Beverly Hills because they have like the best trips, like the best outfits, the best events. Um, you you can fight a little, but you don't have to fight too much. Um, and then I would get to live in Beverly Hills. Well, actually, I'd get to live in the Valley, which is where most of the women live now. But uh, <laughs> and you'd have you know, that California weather. I do. I mean, and we have a house in LA, which is where I am now. So, um, okay. So you get right it. The street. Yeah. So there's, the book a, there's this, there's this place right down the street from my house on Sunset Boulevard where Camille had a, her party. Um, I don't remember what happened there, but it's this like ratty bar. But every time I walk by, I'm like, Oh, I love you. A little bit of housewives right in my backyard. You know what you need to do is now, I mean, with all your free time, that's sarcasm, do like a, <laughs> uh, like a two, like a Beverly Hill, when you're in LA, do like a Beverly Hills uh, tour. Like, here's where this happened. Here's the bar where this happened. And here's, you know, like, like, you know, in New York City, how they do the Sex in the City tour. They you have could, I mean, Real in, of New York bus tour. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they do. See, they I haven't, do, yeah. I haven't been on that one. I haven't been on that. I haven't been, I haven't been in New York city in far too long. I need to change that. So I went on uh, the inaugural tour, like we're houses of New York tour. And um, it, they they launched it the same day as they were launching a season of real houses of New York and the surprise. Mm. And it was like press people and super fans. And the surprise and of course was, you were on there. There's no way you I was couldn't. on there as a That's press awesome. person and super fan. Um, Which, there's probably a lot of people who are press people, but they're like, God, I can't believe I have to write about the houses, but you love it. And it shows through in your writing. You are a press person and a super fan. Yeah. And so when we got to some of the locations, there were housewives waiting there for us to like see. Um, so that was like an extra special. And I that even is, got to buy pop of color, Kristen Takeman's nail polish brand. 
this book I mean, is so yeah and this like listeners you've got to get this book because it's filled with all these these tidbits like this and i i've got to know so if you if you could sit down with andy cohen who for our listeners that may not know he's like the patriarch of the housewives universe um and what i don't remember what his title is at bravo is he like had, he no had longer a, works at bravo actually he oh, is that's right an, ex- an executive producer on the uh on the real housewives but he also hosts um watch what happens live which is and the reunions, for the fr- yeah for, yeah for the french yeah and the reunions and so for the franchises that i don't watch regularly i i always am able to get tidbits of what's going on on those seasons on because i listen to watch what happens live podcast every day so if you could sit down and ask andy cohen one question brian what would that question be oh <laughs> I just thought of like 19 like mean no, questions. I know, and right? I don't know if I should be like the the first one was top or bottom, but like I mean <laughs> um, Well, I mean that, that's a, if that's your question, that's your question. I mean, but I, you know, I probably shouldn't like pry. Um <laughs> I would want to know like what is hit like the craziest thing a housewife has ever like texted him to ask for or about like that would be my like question because I think there are some crazy things like there's um a little thing in the book about how at some point Kyle Richards thought that she was getting death threats from a terrorist organization on Twitter (laughs) and like called Bravo and made them investigate and then they 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 like we're all upset about it. And then they looked at the tweet and they were like, Kyle, this tweet is like two months old. <laughs> like, if something was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even imagine, like, even if you just dealt with one franchise, all the personalities, but all of them, all of mm. them, that's a lot of personality. So, well, okay, the, speaking the, of all of them, who yeah, would be yeah. on your housewives dream team? If you could pick housewives from like, pluck housewives from different franchises to combine into the real housewives all-stars for example who would make the cut let's let's just there's no set number but like at least five are we thinking like all past or like people who are currently on the shows like we can do all past like forever like since the since the first episode of orange county okay i'm gonna say sonia morgan okay um, I'm trying to think of like the people who would be like fun to watch. And I'm also trying to think of like, you need some like reasonable people. You need some crazy people. You need some drunks. Um, <laughs> you need some like villains. So I'd pick like Sonia Morgan, Kenya Moore, uh, who is like one of the greats. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm, and I'm also trying to like think of different cities. Um, I would pick like a Caroline Manzo as like a voice of reason. Yeah. Um, Vicky? I don't know. I feel like Vicky would like take up too much of it. And if we're picking someone from Orange County, I'd probably pick Tamara, who is like one of the all-time greats. Or Shannon Bedore, who is like always good to watch. Um, And then I would add... Robin and Giselle together because I like them best when they're together uh-huh. and um no one from Dallas except for Leanne Locken. <laughs> I was and, gonna say what about Leanne okay what we'll about Leanne. um who are we missing um 
I'm trying you to have from a city. Salt Lake City. <clears throat> Salt Lake City. Know who I love on Salt Lake City is that Whitney. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, she would be a good addition. And then did we get everybody? Is there a Beverly Hills in there? No, you didn't put anybody from Beverly Hills in. Um, I mean, I'm going to go rogue and I'm going to say Carlton, the witch from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Out of all the Beverly Hills housewives, Carlton is who you're picking? I just feel like... That's so rogue of you. We just need to like throw something like crazy in there and just have somebody like come out of nowhere and be like, hi, I'm Carlton and I'm crazy. Also, I think she was gone before her time. And <laughs> I think that the problem with a lot of the women on Beverly Hills is that they don't really want to like fight. So it's like, I could pick, I don't love Lisa Vanderpump, um, but she would be funny. She would have funny asides with the women. So I guess we can pick a Lisa Vanderpump. Mine from Beverly Hills would be Adrian Maloof. I miss her so much. I loved her. Interesting. Adrian Maloof. No, but yeah, but I liked her like, like I would like to like get business advice from her. So that, but that might not make for the best TV, you know? No. Um, I would do you like rather Camille. get business advice from her or Bethany? Oh, probably Bethany, honestly. Yeah. Bethany's, did you watch Big Shot with Bethany? No, I did not. But I listened to Bethany's podcast. Interesting. I and, only... Okay. Go ahead. I listened to one of that. I forget which one it was. It was okay. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, well, you're going to listen to this one, I hope. When it comes <laughs> out. But, um, but okay, we're, we're eliminating Miami, which was one of my favorite franchises, which I don't I know. I love Miami. You talk about being gone before it's time. That was, that was, I don't know why that got canceled, but would you take anybody from Miami? I mean, Leah Black is an all-time great housewife. I love her. I also thought Joanna Krupa was an excellent housewife. Marcia I mean, they Pippen? Had, uh, I mean, she wasn't that great on the show, but I, so I looked at who of the former housewives has the most Instagram followers, and it is by far Larsa Pippen because of the Kardashians yep, and her, yep. her former, question mark, connection with the Kardashians. So- I mean, maybe, and she was okay on her cameo on Selling Sunset. So, I mean, and they're bringing back Miami. I can't wait to see who is going to be on it and what they're going to do. Um, but I'm, I'm very so excited, excited for about it. that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, the ratings it got were far superior to what it, Dallas has ever gotten. And that's lasted now longer than houses in Miami did. So. I have said the same argument many times. So here's a question for you. What is a city that doesn't have a housewives franchise, but needs one in the U.S.? I think it's hard to say because I mean, there are obvious cities that I think are big and that have different populations. Like, you know, you could do San Francisco and it have like a tech feel, or you could do like Seattle and it would be very like crunchy granola, you know, or, yeah. or like a New Orleans where you could get like a really diverse cast and really get that Southern flavor and that, you know, very unique New Orleans experience. But like when they announced Real Housewives of Salt Lake City at BravoCon, I was there and I knew that Andy was normally against expanding the franchise. And he said, oh, we found this great new city, Salt Lake City. And I was waiting for him to be like, um, no, I'm just kidding. We're not expanding it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, this is real. And I was like, this is dumb. And then we watched Salt Lake City and not only is it the most diverse cast out of fucking Utah, but also <laughs> had such a great freshman season. It's going to have a great second season thanks to Jen Shaw's arrest. Yes, so, yes, mean, yes. I, 
I think that you just need to be able to find a great group of women with organic connections who want to share their lives and are willing to go, go all in and sharing their lives. And I think that you could do that anywhere. It's like Potomac is like nowheresville, but one of the best right. housewives. So, you know, and I also feel like, I mean, we could do a Real Housewives of New York part two, like a Real Housewives of Brooklyn, you know? Right, and it's like, you, right. you could like, <laughs> you know, do it in the cities that you already have and with like totally different casts and you could have a totally different like flavor. Real um, Housewives of Staten Island, of Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would die. The thing I, I want the most though, uh -huh. I don't know if you're a Summer House fan, but I want them to do a summer house colon Fire Island with a house full of oh, gays. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is, oh, that's my well, like, number one my, wish. I hope Andy Cohen is is listening. And by the way, I just adore Andy Cohen. I hope he's listening to this. Also, no Chicago. I've always I've always been perplexed by that. I feel like that too, but I also I don't know Chicago very well. But um, I feel like that people consider that Midwestern vibe like normal or boring. And so I don't think that it's like in all the other cities you have, like Dallas has like the South and Cowboys and, you know, Beverly Hills has glitz and glamor and New York has hustle. And like, it's like, what is Chicago gonna bring? But that said, like, I could imagine if they found a great cast of women, um, they could totally do it. I think if Tinsley stayed with Scott in Chicago, they should have just cast the Housewives of Chicago around Tinsley. And like, here are all my new friends in Chicago. But um, sadly, that was not to be. Not to be. <laughs> so not, maybe Tinsley will end up on Real Housewives of Miami now that she's in uh, Palm Beach. Wouldn't that be interesting? So my last question for you, my friend, and you are my friend now because we are forever bonded in the Housewives lexicon here, is um, in the stratosphere, is what do you think all told the Housewives impact on culture is? Um, that's a very good question. I think that, um, housewives and the keeping up with the Kardashians, um, debuted in the same year, but I think the housewives kind of took off immediately and it took the Kardashians like a little while to get going. And, and I think it really set the stage for these like kind of docu-soaps that have become so popular from everything, you know, to Kardashians selling sunset, you know, married to medicine, Southern charm, like shows, not just on Bravo, 90 day fiance, you know, things like that. And so I think that that was a direct impact on the culture, but I also think that, you know, it has taken back this idea of the housewife. And before we thought of housewives like 1950s, Donna Reed, like vacuuming, taking care of their man. And now like a housewife is a real housewife and they have jobs and they have families and they're divorced or they may be single or and they have their own money. And, you know, and I think that we have a whole new idea of what a housewife could be and what the role of a woman, you know, in her forties and fifties can do. And I think there aren't a lot of places on television scripted or reality where you can see groups of women, you know, let's say of a certain age, um, interacting with each other. And I think that, you know, though a lot of people might not love the uh, depiction of it, it is one of the few depictions we get of, of women in, you know, midlife kind of dealing with all these kind of real issues that we all deal with. And so I think that that is uh, great.
addition yeah. to don't you ever stop writing about them brian we the the housewives <laughs> world needs you right oh, need i certainly won't and so with the book coming out we also launched a newsletter on vulture um Good. it's called the housewives institute bulletin it comes out every two weeks and it's like all the housewives news and gossip it's recap highlights it's original stories i'm writing and everyone can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives. Um, and every two weeks, I'll be in your inbox. Uh, we'll put that you, in the show notes too, Brian. Make sure that people get signed up. I know I'll be signing up for it because I absolutely love your writing. And thank you for your time today and for this book. And listeners, grab your own copy of House The Housewives, which is out now. Thank you again, Brian. You are the best. Oh my God, thank you. It's my pleasure. So much fun, so much fun. Okay, so I'm still laughing from my conversation with Brian and I would do just about anything to grab a drink with him. Maybe that will be possible if I can ever get over to London. Thank you, by the way, for those who emailed me last week at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com. So I'd like to read an email aloud from a listener who happens to be my five-year-old niece, Allie, who is learning to read as we speak. I'm so proud of you, Allie. I'm actually going to her house tomorrow and I'm going to read with her and bring her a book as a gift to encourage her love of reading. So here is what Allie wrote. I am currently reading Mercy Watson to the Rescue by Kate Camillo to Mommy. Mommy, by the way, is my best friend, Hannah. Back to Allie. Mommy is currently, before I start kindergarten in the fall, reading Ramona the Pest by Beverly Cleary to me. I love that book, Allie. That was one of my favorites. Okay, back to Allie again. I love it most and prefer when mommy reads to me. I love the book Ramona the Pest because it's funny and about kindergarten, the grade I'm starting in August. Allie, I'm so proud of you. I can't even believe that you're five years old, first of all, and that you're starting kindergarten. I love you so much and I am bound and intent to have you love reading as much as I do. And it looks like you're off to a good start. So you don't know it yet, Allie, but we are going to read Meghan Markle's The Bench together tomorrow and you're going to get to keep a copy of it. I love you so much and I am so proud of you. So listeners, I'd love to hear what you're reading and why you love it. And I might even read your email on air. We will see you on Thursday with our next batch of Thursday three, including some Father's Day picks and a couple of fiction picks for a change. I do read fiction, just not as often as I read nonfiction. But in the meantime, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show. It helps others find what we're doing here and helps build our I'd Rather Be Reading community. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian as much as I did.